Welcome to Stand Alone. I'm Sabrina Lloyd, founder and CEO of Lloyd Agencies, a multi-million dollar company that ranks as one of the most successful in the insurance industry. My passion is empowering people to become the leaders that they were meant to be. With each episode, I'll teach you how to go from ordinary to extraordinary, how to think like no one else, how to stand alone. It's time we create massive success for ourselves. Okay, welcome guys. Today is a very, very special treat. So we have the honor and privilege of having John Asaroff with us. And I cannot think of a better person who knows the mind like John. And so he has produced two amazing books, The Answer and Having It All. And he recently just came out with a new book that everyone needs to get their hands on because a lot of us were so focused on the outside, mm -hmm. right? And the outside does matter. But what I love about what you have done, John, is you're getting us to work on the things that really matter the most. You were a star on The Secret. You not only are a person who talks the talk, you really walk the walk because you applied what you learn to multiple million dollar businesses. And you've taken your team to produce an excess of over $4 billion in one of your businesses. So a serial entrepreneur, an actor, you've been on Ellen, you've been on major talk shows, you know, but what I love about where you are right now is that you're the founder and CEO of Neurogym and you work on brain training. And so I really want us to dissect this to help people around the world understand how powerful they are, because so many of us, we want a lot and we don't know the way to do it, but it's, it's here. It's yeah. all here. I'm going to bring my brain for the conversation. Yes, and we're going to go into this because I have a science background. And when I came into the business world, John, what I loved about my science background is that it already trained me to understand there is a way, there's a method, there's a process. Yeah. And what you've done in all of your books is you get us to focus on the things that really matter, but this really takes it on a different level. So I wanted to start off with asking you a question of what kicked this off, because in 2009, I read your book, The Answer, and you talked about being committed versus interested. And it changed the way I held myself to a standard. And it changed the way I looked at other people and what I allowed for them. And then it changes our brains. So if you can kick us off with this for so many people, what is the difference between being committed versus interested in success? Oh, that's a great question. And that journey for me began, you know, 40 years ago when my life was a mess. I was, uh, you know, 19 years old. I was getting in trouble with the law. I was doing illegal things. My wife, my life, not my wife, my life was going in the wrong direction, on the wrong train, and I was picking up speed. And I was either going to die or go to jail, one of the two. And I had this one gentleman that took enough care. Uh, in me, my brother arranged for us to have lunch together, and I actually took the train from Montreal to Toronto, 355, 350 miles, <clears throat> 
to have lunch with this man that I never met before. His name is Alan Brown. And at lunch, he asked me, like, why are you getting the results that you're getting right now? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? And I just looked at him. I said, I don't know. And he says, uh, but but you're behaving in ways that are going to get you in trouble or killed. Uh, why are you doing this? I said, I don't know. And so he said, well, let's leave that line of questioning aside for just a moment. He said, like, do you have any goals in your life? And at the time, I was working in a shipping department for a computer uh, global company called Philips Electronics. And I was, you know, counting boxes that were coming in, counting boxes that were going out. It was like you prefer to, you know, put put needles in your eyes versus doing that all day long. And I said to him, well, I'd like to uh, get a better job. I'd like to buy my own car because my dad drives me to work every day and he picks me up. He was a cab driver to take me home. And I'd like to move out of my parents' house and, and, and do something with my life. And he said, uh, great, I'm going to ask you uh, to do two things. Number one, I want you to take this document. Um, and it was literally the 1980 goal setting guide. Wow. 1980. So long time ago. And uh, this document had about three or four pages on it. And the first question, he said, fill out this document. Let me look at it and let's have a conversation. So there's me and this man I just met, Mr. Brown, my brother who was sitting right there who arranged for the for this lunch. And the first question on this document was, at what age do you want to retire? Here I am, 19 years old, going, I want a job. My father's still driving a cab every day from 5 a.m. till 7 p.m. What do you mean retire? So I said to him, I said, Mr. Brown, I'm just starting. He said, just put a number. I said, 45. Second question, how much net worth do you want to have upon retirement? I looked at Mr. Brown, so, and I said, Mr. Brown, what does net worth mean? <laughs> so I'm like, green, green, green. And he explained to me what net worth was. Third question, uh, what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? What kind of car do you want? What kind of charitable contributions do you want to make? Where do you want to travel? What kind of home do you want? Uh, what kind of clothes do you want? What kind of impact do you want to have? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I've never thought about these questions. So long story short, he says to me, listen, just make up stuff that would excite you. So I wrote out 45 years old, 3 million net worth, travel the world, Mercedes Benz, four bedroom house, retire my parents, uh, help my brother and sister. And I wrote out all this stuff that was literally Sabrina from my imagination. And he looks at this and he goes, these are some pretty good goals. This would be a lifestyle that you would be proud of, wouldn't it? I go, yeah, like who wouldn't be? So he said, I'm gonna ask you one question. And the answer to this question will determine whether you achieve every one of these things and, 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 and live this lifestyle. And in the back of my mind, Sabrina, the thing that I was thinking was, yeah, right. One question. So he leans in, he looks at me and he goes, are you interested in achieving these things or are you committed? I'm thinking, what, what did he just ask me? Am, am I interested or am I committed? So I looked at him, I go, again, like feeling dumb, Mr. Brown, uh, what's the difference? And he pauses for a second and he says, if you're interested, you'll keep using your stories and reasons and excuses why you can't do this. If you're interested, you will keep repeating the behaviors that are causing the same results over and over and over again. He said, if you're interested, you'll come up with stories, reasons, and excuses 
And that's what's going to define your life. But if you're committed, you will upgrade your identity to match this new destiny. Said so if you're committed, you will develop the beliefs required to achieve these goals. If you're committed, you will upgrade your knowledge and your skills, and you'll develop the habits required to achieve every one of these goals because they're all achievable. You just don't know how to achieve them. So are you interested or are you committed? And I remember Sabrina, like it was yesterday, I was antsy, like, holy shit, like I'm being put on the coals right now. <clears throat> and I just looked at him and thank God, but out of my head came out, I'm committed. And he paused, he looked at me, he reached out his hand. He says, in that case, I will be your mentor. I was like, wow, uh, awesome. Uh, what's a mentor? Right. <laughs> That's how, that's how green I, a mentor, I never even heard of the word. He said, listen, a mentor is like a coach, a mentor. And I used to play basketball as a kid. So I knew what a coach was. A mentor is like a coach who shares with you, do this, not that. Here's how to get this done. Here's how to get that done. Here's my experience. Here are the tools and resources. And so I made a commitment, shook his hand. And that's the day my life changed. Because he then proceeded to show me, not tell me, show me how to set goals, how to create plans for those goals, how to take beliefs and habits and behaviors and make them part of my new reality as I release, let go of my old beliefs and habits. And over the course of you know, six months, 12 months, two years, I started to flourish my father in 1980 made $25,000 as a cab driver. I made 31,000 as a 19 year old kid. And so you thought you were rich. Oh, rich, are you kidding? My, my parents still thought I was doing illegal stuff, but just in Toronto, because all of a sudden I had some money, I could help them out. I, could, I, could, you know, I got my own apartment, I bought my own car. Actually, I leased my own car, but I was told to lease you know, not buy cars in, in real estate. And so the, the, the shift between interest and commitment and having some mentoring of once you're committed, now what do I do, right? Because you can, you can be committed and go around in circles doing the same old things. And so that was the beginning shift in my life of being interested or committed. And so I started to, out of nowhere, when you know, I went to real estate school, even though I, I failed English, I failed math, I hated school, left in grade 11, uh, went back to school, but even though I didn't want to, but I was committed now. So I had to leave the excuses and the stories and the old beliefs and results behind and became a licensed real estate agent on May the 20th, 1980. And if you wanna know why I know that date so firmly in my brain, it's because I passed the test and it was the first test I had passed without cheating in three years. That, that's amazing. You know. When you, when you remember that moment so vividly, it's because really this is where all the work really began for you. And Correct. you keep on using this word, which is so powerful, shift, shift, shift. And when you read this book, you know, for everyone, grab this book because you got to take notes as you're writing this book and you'll start to see all these shifts moving from interested to committed, moving from conscious living 
to, to unconscious, get that under control. And we're going to go through those shifts that you have in the book, but I want to talk about where the work began, because when you talk about this 800 pound gorilla that is inside all of us, you know, when I say to you, when you make a decision, people go from setting goals and they shift to achieving them. But if you can't control that 800 pound gorilla that's inside of all of us, we start drifting, which you talk about in your book so well. Could you explain to us, you know, why we have to control this gorilla? Because we'll we'll start off working with will and a conscious, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, but it won't sustain us. Yeah, so a visual that I would like to give everybody, uh, and we'll start with, you know, everybody knows what this is, right? Obviously, it's a plastic brain, but inside our skull, every one of us owns this organism. It's not an organ. We used to think that it's a static organ like your lungs. We used to think that it's a, you know, uh, uh, something that doesn't evolve, doesn't grow, doesn't do much. But if you think about, uh, you know, a brain and there are pieces or, or parts of the brain that do different things, no differently than if you look at your watch and you see the time, if there's something not working inside the mechanics of the watch, you're not gonna tell the right time. So most of us are used to looking, you know, on the surface of stuff. You know, if you get into your car and something doesn't work in your car, you take it to the mechanic because there's something that's not working, whether it's the engine, the spark plugs, something's not working. Well, when we're not achieving the results we want, very few people ask why? Like what's preventing me from bridging that gap between the vision, the goals, what I really want in my life and what I don't want and actually making that a reality. And so here's one of the things we discovered. I've been doing neuroscience and neuropsychology research for 40 years now. And it's only in the last 10 years that we started to be able through um, functional magnetic resonance imaging technology to see deeper parts of the brain where we can actually see networks that turn on or off, circuits that turn on or off. And we thought that just this three pound, you know, piece of, of fat and water, which is really what the most of the brain is made up of. But now we know that there's a part of our brain uh, that's kind of like the executive director, the CEO, and I call that the Einstein part of the brain. We can imagine, we can say, you know, one plus one equals two, two plus two equals four, four plus four equals eight, deductive reasoning that's called and rationalizing. Um, but then there's another part of our brain, this 800 pound gorilla, which I call the Frankenstein's monster, which is why I have it in the background, that says, okay, let's say Einstein says, <clears throat> I want to achieve these great things. This other part of our brain says, and this is because of the evolution of the brain and the hierarchy of how our brain, A, keeps us alive and safe, B, keeps us away from pain or discomfort, see while it conserves energy in case somebody is trying to kill us or our families, et cetera. And then D or number four, it says, then when number one and two are done, as I conserve energy, I can focus on gaining pleasure. So imagine this, imagine we set a goal. 
to be an amazing insurance broker, an insurance agent. We're going to help many families, many individuals. We're going to, you know, we're going to double, triple, quintuple our income, 10x our income. We're going to travel the world, give to the charities of our dreams, have finally the financial and emotional and choice freedom that we want. Part one, easy to do. But then our 800-pound gorilla or the Frankenstein monster says, hold on a second. What if you fail? Um, what if you put all this time, energy, and money on, uh, on all this stuff and you fail? What if other people in the office see that you fail? Will you be embarrassed? Will you be ashamed? Will you be rejected? Will you feel disappointed? So whenever we have a goal that we haven't achieved, or even one that we've achieved, and then maybe you know we lost some of the results, then this Frankenstein's monster, this 800-pound gorilla, acts as a protective mechanism to avoid, move away from as fast as possible, any real or imagined pain or fear or embarrassment or shame or judgment or rejection or disappointment. So it's almost like having one foot on the gas and one foot on the brakes as a protective mechanism. So what if I shared with you that that part of your brain works exactly like when you're driving down the street in your car and a light pops on your dash? Maybe you're low on air in your front right tire. Uh, maybe you're low on oil. Maybe the trunk was left open when you put your luggage in there. You know, maybe the back, you know, window you know, or door is open. What if this, this detection mechanism part of your brain is just there to protect you and give you a signal? Have you ever driven down the street, taken a hammer and hit the light on your dash? Never, right? You go, oh, um, why, why is the light on? It's telling me something. It's, it's just a signal. Now, we've never been taught the mechanics of what is going on in our brain. Like if I ask people, do you think it's important to manage your emotions? Everybody says yes. I say, great, tell me the six core emotions. Nobody knows the six core emotions. If I tell somebody, do you think it's important to have awareness about what's going on? Everybody says, of course it's important to have awareness. Great, tell me how do you activate your awareness circuit in your brain? Do you think it's important to be able to focus? Everybody says, of course, great. Well, how do you stay focused on an outcome without allowing distractions, right? So when we're getting into the mechanics of the brain, first and foremost, if you believe like I do that our brain, the one that we all already own, is worth at least $100 billion. You have one. You don't owe a mortgage on that. Tell me how it works. Just give me some of the fundamentals of how it works. What is this Einstein part of your brain responsible for? What is this Frankenstein's monster, 800-pound gorilla, responsible for? And since you have a brain and you're not your brain, since you have emotions and feelings, but you're not your emotions and feelings, do you know how to use what you already own a little bit better so that you don't struggle, so that you don't you know, get so caught up in your old limiting beliefs or your fears or your self-image that says, well, am I really worthy of that goal? Like, this is what's really happening you know, underneath the surface. And we know that our brain works almost like an orchestra or a band. And if the band 
is in harmony, if the orchestra is in flow, it's like, oh my God, that's beautiful. And if it's not, it sounds like, oh my God, it's out of tune there, it's, it's out of whack, otherwise known as chaos. So the reason I wrote inner size is everybody understands that you exercise to strengthen your physical muscles and or organs, but are you aware that you can inner size your core neuro muscles and strengthen your ability to focus, to be aware, to develop empowering beliefs and let go of disempowering beliefs, which are nothing more from a neuroscience perspective than patterns that were created when you were a child and then reinforced over time and the patterns that got created became automatic or soft wired. The habits were hardwired to conserve energy, the number three hierarchy of the brain. So if we just said, okay, <clears throat> do I need a new set of beliefs about what's possible for me to achieve two or three or five X the revenue? And we said, okay, yeah, I do. I, I need to believe that I'm smart enough, I'm good enough, I'm worthy enough, I'm capable, um, I, I can learn how to do this. If we determine that we can develop new beliefs, which we can, and we can reinforce new beliefs so that they match the vision and goals that we have, which we can, if we determine that habits are nothing more than a coalesced pattern in the brain of thoughts, emotions, feelings, and behaviors that are automatic, that's why we call them habits. And that's why most people have habits that are constructive and habits that are destructive, habits that are positive, habits that are negative. So if the premise is that I wasn't born with any beliefs, any habits, any fears, I was born with any knowledge or skills, that I developed those and the beliefs and habits and knowledge and skills that were reinforced become the way that my brain automatically conserves energy and just does what it does based on the hierarchy of how it operates. Is it possible that I can change my brain so I change my income, my awareness, my perception, my results, my physique, whatever it is? And the answer is yes. And that's where the power comes in. Now we have more of the user's manual of how to do that faster and easier than ever before. Because up until now, we thought that this was, you know, static. It was hardwired. And you, you're going to be just like your father, just like your mother, just like your grandmother. She used to do that. He used to say that. And yes, and there the are truth some is, You know, you really, you could be if you don't become aware. And I love that you're talking about this awareness because so many of us, we don't understand that if we don't put the effort into making these changes, we just become this pattern. I always... You know, when I was in school studying science, what's so cool is that we were taught that neurons cannot be created. And now with neuroplasticity, we absolutely know that's not true, right? So science has evolved for us to understand that there's, you're capable of changing, you're capable of creating a new outcome for yourself. Absolutely. So there's neurogenesis, which is the creation of neurons, which we thought, you know, we're born with about 100 billion neurons when we're born. Then those neurons make connections. The connections that get reinforced become soft wired. They used to think it was hardwired, but now we know through neuroplasticity that even in our 60s, 70s and 80s, 
our brain has the ability to create new connections. Every time we learn something new, our brain's creating a connection. But there's a huge difference, for example, between reading something new, where yes, we're making a connection, but if we don't reinforce that connection, our brain says, we don't need it. There's no real reason for me to use energy to reinforce it. But if we force, if we reinforce a new neural connection, whether it's good or bad, brain doesn't care. Whether it's constructive or destructive, brain doesn't care. Whether it empowers you or disempowers you, the brain does not care. What it cares about is that any pattern that's reinforced over spaced repetition and experience, our brain says, okay, since this is being reinforced, let me just automate the process to save energy. Remember the number three priority of the brain? To save you energy, since you keep thinking the same great way or shitty way, I'm just going to reinforce this. Since you keep feeling great or lousy, I'm going to reinforce it. Since you keep taking inspired action or not, I'm going to reinforce it. Now, here's the good news, bad news. Whatever we reinforce, we automatically repeat. Yes. Yes. So sometimes we're automatically repeating exactly what we don't want. So when we're thinking about, you know, uh, when we're asking ourselves a question, like, why does this never work out for me? And our brain gives us the answer. And we keep asking shitty questions. We keep reinforcing shitty answers because our brain's a biocomputer says, well, the reason it keeps happening to you is because you're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're not worthy because you believe this or because of this story. So, when we understand that we are, uh, we have the capability to refire our brain, to rewire it. And if we refire neurons in a different sequence and we use spaced repetition, when we understand that our brain is nothing more than a hundred, and I like to say like a hundred billion marbles and those marbles connect to each other. Right. So those, that's what like a neuron is, a brain cell. And so the question becomes is, are you wiring and reinforcing what you want or are you reinforcing what is or what you don't want? Yes, this is so powerful for people to really understand. Like when people go to you and say, do you know how powerful you are? This is where that power comes from. And so I think it's so incredibly important when you're talking about, you know, how, how to bring it back. So when we get ourselves caught in these repetitious behaviors that are detrimental to us, this is why self-awareness is important because right. you give a great analogy uh, towards the end of the book with the waves. And you said these powerful words here because a wave could be a threat or it could be a challenge, right? And challenges aren't bad. It's how we look at stress. But if we look at stress like an imbalance of our needs versus our, you said, available resources, I think these are powerful words yeah. because if we can start looking at everything that's coming to us, it's like waves that are coming to us. If we can start to learn how to surf in the wave, instead of just being washed up on shore, which is where, you know, John, a lot of people are finding themselves in this situation. They're just being washed up to a place where they don't want to be. How, and you talk about take six. So let's start with that. How do we start to like ride the wave instead of being washed up by the waves that are coming in our lives? 
Sure. You, you also use the word that I would like to give people uh, a frame for, all right? Use the word stress. Yes. Right? So what if we thought for just a moment, right? We have a, a brain that has a nervous system, uh, one that has a sympathetic circuit, which is the a fight, flight, freeze, stress circuit. And the other circuit is called the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our ability to be calm so we can respond. Now, let's understand stress. Stress is activated. The feeling of stress is activated when the demand exceeds our current capacity. So when the financial demand exceeds our current capacity, boom, the circuit activates. When the knowledge or the skill required to, uh, to meet the need right now and it exceeds our current capabilities, boom, the circuit's activated. When we don't have the knowledge, the skills, or the ability to manage our emotion in the moment, boom, this stress circuit is activated as a protective mechanism, right? Protective mechanism that does what? Well, to cause us to want to fight it, right? In case of a saber-toothed tiger, to freeze and stand in place to be hopefully safe, right? To run away, to avoid any emotional pain, financial pain or discomfort. Does that make sense? It now, makes what? so much sense. Yeah, so let's not make stress the enemy. Stress is the signal. Now, what if when I procrastinate, I can be in a calm, responsive state instead of a fearful state that's going to try and protect me by getting me back into my comfort zone? What if in a stress state, you know, I have a different way of asking questions instead of where my focus is now. So when you talk about, you know, the book Inner Size, um, I teach people I think about 20 different inner size and I also give them nine brain training inner size audios where I guide them as their coach for free um, just because they buy the book. And so what if we knew, okay, and we do that this sympathetic or parasympathetic nervous system that starts in our brainstem, okay, and travels through our entire body, starting with something called the vagus nerve. What if we understood that when we have self-doubt, fear, anxiety, stress, even panic, when we leave stress unchecked and anxiety unchecked, we can move to a panic state. What if the simplest of all things that's free, we could each do, and it's called Take Six, Calm the Circuits. Take Six, Calm the Circuits is based on numerous brain studies that show that when we take six deep breaths, slowly, slowly, slowly into our nose, and then slowly, slowly, slowly out through our mouth, like we're breathing out through a straw. We can actually see the blood flow moving from the stress center in the brain, okay? We can see it deactivating and moving to that calm and responsive state in the brain. Now, when we are stressed, you know, is our breathing shallow and fast? 
or deep and long, shallow and fast. You know, when, when our brain is breathing, when we are breathing shallow and fast, when our blood pressure has gone up, blood flow actually moves away from the motivational center in our brain. Blood flow moves away from the thinking part of our brain and blood flow goes through the get out of here or, or freeze, get into your comfort zone part of the brain as a protective mechanism. So when we are procrastinating, self-doubt, stress, anxiety, whatever the case is, if we just took 60 breaths just to deactivate that circuit first, then we can move to what I call as inner size number two, which is called AYA, A-I-A. And AYA just stands for awareness in a calm state of my thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, and behaviors. Let's say in the, in the last 15 or 30 minutes. And then if I set my intention, my focus on what it is that I want versus what it is that I don't want. So if I'm in a state of awareness of thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, and behaviors, and I practice no judgment, blame, shame, guilt, or justification, just awareness. When we're looking at a pattern, why judge it? Why blame it? Just look at the pattern because the pattern tells you what happened in the past and what you might be feeling in the present moment. But in a state of awareness without judgment or blame or, or guilt, now we can say, well, what's my intention? Like, is my intention to make these calls? Is my intention, okay, to upgrade my skills? Is my intention to fill in the blank? And whatever the intention is, it's to move us forward instead of retreating. So once we set the intention, then if we said, okay, what is one small action step I can take towards what I want, my vision, my goals, whatever it is, whether it's your financial goals, your business goals, your health goals, whatever it is. If I could become more aware and I could be more intentional and I can take small, small action steps so that I decrease the fear circuit from activating, then now who's in control? Now what pattern am I reinforcing? Now am I training my brain that I can direct it or am I allowing it to direct me? And since we are not our brain, mm -hmm. okay, we have a brain, maybe it's time we just become better operators. So there's, there's two things I want to like dissect for everyone, because this is a video that, you know, you need a notepad, you need a pen and you need to rewatch it. So this is why, you know, your time here to really improve our lives is so very much valued. And what I, what I really want to get back to here, when you talk about these available resources, a lot of people today, John, are so lost because we feel like we're missing something. And when we're coming from this place of lack, then it, it, it activates more fear. It activates like that sympathetic nervous system where we're not calm. We're not making, you know, good decisions. You use this word, rational lies. I love this. You should trademark that if it's not taken already, but this is what people do. This is their stories, right? They take these rationalizations and they're really lies. But how do we get someone to understand that, you know, you talk about self-image, number one, where people are not aligned. So what they want to achieve and then the stories creep up in ourselves where we're just like, yeah, I want that 
you know, that nice house, but I can't even pay my rent right now. And then, you know, we're, we're talking. So it's like, how do we get ourselves to understand that these resources are inside? It's about being resourceful, sure. not thinking about resources, because so yeah. many people need help with this today. Yeah. So again, I'm going to come back to, you know, what are some of the responsibilities of this brain of ours that's been evolving for, you know, millions of years? Uh, and one of the responsibilities is to make sure that your outside world of results matches your internal map of reality and expectations. So if your self-image is X and your goals are Y, then your pursuit to get to Y counters the programming in your subconscious self-image. So a perfect visual of this is somebody who's not had a lot of money that wins the lottery. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they have, let's say $10 million and they buy a nice house and they buy a nice car and they start spending money on certain things. Most people are not aware that almost 90% of people who win the lottery lose the money within three years. Why? Because the outside world, their bank account, uh, their new car, their new clothes, their, um, you know, their house doesn't match the internal map of reality. And all of the mechanisms in our brain are to do what? To maintain that internal map of reality. So all of a sudden, when the outside world changes so drastically, they sabotage the success to make sure that there is a match again. 95% of people who have lost the money that have been interviewed say winning the money was the worst experience of their life. And all of us go, what? Are you crazy? That would never happen to me. I would be free, free, free. Only for a period of time until your brain was so uh, imprisoned with this new reality, okay, that it would sabotage until there was coherence or harmony in the brain. So... I keep coming back to, there are certain ways that our brain works. I mean, in lightning speeds. And this is why, you know, when sales agents, whether it's real estate or insurance who are on commission, let's say they're used to making 10,000 a month or 5,000 a month or 20,000 a month or more. Let's say that's their baseline. Imagine that baseline of monthly income or quarterly or yearly income, that is almost like a setting on a thermostat. Okay, well, what happens in a thermostat? How does a thermostat work? If you're in a room or a car and you set it to uh, 23 degrees um, Celsius, okay, or 75 degrees Fahrenheit, if hot air comes into the room or the car, the air conditioning automatically goes on. That's called a cybernetic mechanism. It's a control and response mechanism. It works automatically without thought once the setting is there, right? If cold air comes in and the temperature goes down, well, what happens? A signal is sent to the um, furnace and the heat comes on until, boom, homeostasis is met, comfort zones. We operate the exact same way. We have fat set points. We have relationship set points. We have business revenues and profits set points. We have personal income set points. We have debt 
set points that we just become accustomed to. It's not good or bad, it just is. Well, regardless of how you became conditioned to those settings, my question for you is this. In 2021, 2022, 23, 24, 25, the year that we are living in now, the era, do we know how to reset that financial thermostat and recalibrate it? Of course we do. Do we know how to release weight and keep it off? Of course we do. Do we know how to double or triple our income right now with the strategies, the tactics, the timelines, the tools? Of course we do. But the fact that we know that those things are possible, most people are not thinking of how they can because they haven't created enough musts of why they will. So when we are talking about setting goals, that happens in the um, uh, frontal cortex of the brain. That is the goal setting side of the brain. But if we don't recalibrate a couple other parts of the brain that have these automatic set points, including the emotional center of the brain, then we have one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake, and we're frustrated as hell because we can't make progress fast enough. Not because the progress isn't possible, it's because we don't have the skill of how to do it. So that actually triggers doubt and fear and stress. And when we're in a state of doubt and fear and stress as a result of not knowing how, we revert back to safety because we prefer to manage disappointment and comfort zones instead of managing change. John, so this is what people, this is so good because so many of us, you know, and I say this, there's a lot of motivated idiots out there. You know, what is a motivated idiot? It's someone who's like, I can do this. I can do this. But it's like, you said the magic word there, skill. And, you know, how do you develop skill? It's through repetition. And you gave this analogy of if you were, if you were given this opportunity to, to star in a movie, which we are all starring in our own movie, how right. much time would you put into it? How much would you repeat? And so, you know, I think what a lot of people have to do, number one, you need to really digest this book and you, you did it so well, cause you did it like through spaced repetition, the way you wrote your book, which was genius to Thanks. let it get programmed into us. We need to get more knowledge through your neuro gym. But I have a, I have a question for you. That's going to like, it's, it's something that's maybe going to push you to like give a response that is, it does, it, it needs some thinking because for self-image, you know, a lot of us were not raised the way we wanted to be raised. And I always tell people that I meet, if I had the father that I wanted to have, I wouldn't be who I am. And I've had mentors that have helped to guide me, but I was raised really tough, John. And I know like, you know, for a lot of people, when I see people do amazing things and you go back into their past and you see like, it wasn't all rainbows and butterflies. What is it about that past, those events that help to navigate and create something great in people? that you have, that so many of us that are super achievers, we didn't come from rainbows and butterflies. I, I, I wanna ask you, what, what is this? 
That's a great question. It's uh, one of the things that um, that I teach, and I'm not sure if it's in the book Inner Size, but it's called the 4R process, 4R. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and so the 4R process is recognize, reframe, release, and retrain. Let me explain. I don't have time to go through the entire process. Um, but imagine that there are, you know, um, scenarios in our lives that, you know, were traumatizing, you know, traumatized us. Uh, a big, huge pain, whether we lost money, we went bankrupt, we were mentally, emotionally, physically abused, whatever it is. All the research in the world points to one thing that differentiates those who succeed as a result of it versus those who succumb to it and create, you know, a, a life of despair. That one thing, the meaning they chose to give it determined their thinking. Their thinking determined their feeling, their feeling determined how they behaved. So let me give you in very, very short order. Um, my father, when I was younger, um, never had money. He was a gambler, an alcoholic, and he physically hit me enough that he would be in jail today, all right? He didn't ever say, I love you, until I was in my 20s when I was able to ask him about his upbringing and uh, release some of my anger towards him. And so I learned to say, because my father didn't know how to express himself and say, I love you, I learned how to say I love you and express myself to my children every single day of their lives. Because my father didn't have money and I saw the struggle between him and my mother and the pain, I decided to upgrade my knowledge and skills and find the mentors who could show me how to always have more than enough money. Because my father hit me, I never raised a hand to my children except in a hug. Because my father was ignorant because he only went to grade three in school because he had to go and work, I decided to become more through knowledge and skill building every day of my life. So I took the because that I could have said, well, he beat me, therefore I beat my kids. He beat me, therefore I'm not good enough. He, so I learned how to reframe the things that I thought were the downfalls of me or him and use them to lift me up. So because I used to feel like I wasn't smart enough in school, I became super smart by focusing an hour a day of study for 40 years on the things that interest me, which happens to be the brain and neuropsychology and behavior. So because of all those things, I became who I am. Holy shit, thank you for all those things. That's a frame shift. So I could easily have taken, and if you ask uh, men or women that were abused, that are victims of the abuse, which they are, that used it to make their life better, to help people to, to do whatever they needed to do. So you can either take your life's experiences, the people, and frame them in ways that lift you up and give you lift, right? Or you can take those things to put you down because in both cases, you're right. And now the question becomes, 
if I use my life experiences and I change the frame. So in the past, I used to believe I'm not smart enough. In the past, I used to procrastinate. In the past, I was afraid of this and now I'm learning how to. We now start to activate this $100 billion biocomputer to either a world of possibilities or a world, a world of walls. That's the choice we have. Power is within us. That's where awareness gives us choice and skill gives us freedom. Yes, you know, I, I wanna wrap up with um, just talking about something that I know you know so much about. Um, the word is gratitude, because when you were on The Secret, when you write all of your books, like you, you have, you understand like how to pull the right meaning out of whatever is happening. And in your book, you um, talked about Dr. Rick Hansen, where he said the brain is like Velcro for negative experiences, but Teflon for positive ones, you know. Why is it so important that we have to be active in our gratitude? How could this help us to wire our brain to see our world as happening for us and not against us so we don't fall into that victim mentality, which it's so easy to fall into. And sure. when I meet a lot of younger people, they're stuck. You know, it's like the Frankenstein where you said like it's this monster that keeps you stuck. It's like, you gotta, you gotta beat that monster up with gratitude. Is this accurate? Is this true? And, and does this work? Yeah, so Frankenstein's monster is actually your best friend, more so than Einstein. And let me explain. Do you remember the hierarchy of how our brain works? Safety and survival first? That's Frankenstein. Do you know how avoidance of pain or discomfort second? That's Frankenstein brain, right? So. When we're in a state of gratitude, and you may remember I said our brain has, it has three major networks, salience, executive, and default mode network, and then it has circuits that turn on or off as a result of those. Well, when we actually are thinking and feeling something that we're grateful for, we actually just reactivated the reward center of our brain. The reward center of our brain releases dopamine, that's the insula and nucleus accumbens, releases this feel-good neurochemical. When we feel good, do we want to move towards what we want to achieve or away from what we want to achieve? Well, when we feel good, we're kind of like, show me, like, what should I do? Well, the reward center is connected to the behavioral center. So reward to the behavior of moving forward. So when we are grateful for waking up, people didn't wake up last night or this morning. Yes. When we're uh, grateful for you know, standing up, seeing, hearing, uh, being able to eat, being able to, to look at a tree, being able to breathe without even thinking about it, being able to digest food without like thinking about, it. my God, what does my body need to do to break down this thing that I ate? Oh my God, I'm freaking a rock star. Right. So if I'm a rock star and my body has all these capabilities and I can be in a state of gratitude more often than not, then I'm going to be happily inspired to move towards what I want. And when I use my brain to say, well, I can actually use my brain. Oh, my God. I can use my brain as a tool of mass construction or a tool of mass destruction and I, 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 like, uh, I, I have that choice. 
Yep, you do. So don't give away your power. Uh, learn how to use the power better, right? And, and this is where the fun part comes. And, you know, when Rick uh, talked about, you know, uh, Velcro or Teflon, the reason our brain, okay, remembers negative experiences or traumatizing experiences so well is to protect us in the future. So is that genius or is that genius? So you want to become best friends with your Frankenstein's monster when Frankenstein lights up these possibilities that may harm you, whether they're real or imagined, but don't give away your power of choice of saying, okay, is this real? Is this imagined? Is this something from my past or something that's really happening right now? Because if I am projecting into the future a potential consequence And in that projection, I'm firing the neurons and the chemicals that are released to match that potential of negativity are being felt in my body now, which is the stress hormones, cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, then I'm going to be feeling right now something that probably will never happen. Right. So if I don't know how to feel and what to do with my feelings. Now is it a possibility that I just haven't learned how to navigate emotions and feelings? Skill, it's just the skill. It's like, it's like learning to speak, uh, learning the alphabet. It's a, it's a language, right? Emotions is nothing more than the energy in motion in your body. And so is it possible that the energy in motion in my body is a result of something that's happening in my brain, the meaning that I gave things. So I'll give you an example of how fast this worked. If I said to everybody who's listening or watching right now, I want you to imagine that right now somebody comes into wherever you're at with a 12 foot, 300 pound python, they wanna put it around your neck to take a picture with you. There are people right now that as I said that, some are like, oh my God, that's amazing. I can't wait to get this selfie with it. And others that are running for the door or opening their car door wanting to run out just in case it's real. I didn't, there is no snake. It's in your mind. As soon as I said a 300 foot, you know, Python that's 12 feet long. Some of you have meanings that are fearful and, oh my God, run away. And others are, oh my God, that would be amazing. Bring it on. That's how fast it works. So let's not be victims of feelings or emotions or thoughts. Let's be aware I have feelings, emotions, and thoughts. And the I, the bigger me, is able to control all of these little circuits and mechanisms with a little bit of innercising every day. Love it. And the final question for you, John, is, you know, standalone, I started this podcast because I wanted for people to understand that you can go from being ordinary to extraordinary, but you got to get away from, you know, just the world and all the noise that's out there. You know, when I know when Navy SEALs are training, they work on this like sensory deprivation so that they can get really good um, with, with their skill. Um, But I want to know, because I believe that all of us don't want to blend in. We really do want to stand out. And so I want to know, John, um, in closing, what makes you rare? What will the world miss when John is no longer here? What is your assignment on earth to make a mark that cannot be erased? 
Um, I think first and foremost is to be the best me possible for me and to use my life as an example of maybe what's possible so that others could see themselves in me and my struggles, my challenges, my successes, my failures as a painting, all right, of possibility with colors on it that are like, look, look that, that's the failures, right? That, but those are sometimes the most beautiful, you know, of the colors. So that's part one. Uh, and then I think I've been given a few gifts, one of curiosity that I love to, to study and research and ask questions, but then to take some complex stuff and make it easier for others to understand it because that's the way I learned. Like, I wanna know, okay, that's great of this, this brain this and brain that, but how do I apply it? So my curiosity has been as, how do I get better? How do I lose the weight and keep it off? How do I make the money and keep it and give? And how do I have a great relationship? And, and so that means I'm like, I am prepared, you know, to be like a psychonaut, right? So there's astronauts, I'm a psychonaut. So I go deep into my own psyche and I explore my fears, my, my pains, my frustrations, irritations, anxieties. I explore that. And in my exploration, I discover stuff that I could bring the discoveries to people so that they don't have to go through what I go through or what I've gone through to make their lives easier. So I think that's if I can be of any uh, of anything, you know, to others in the world is a possibility of what's possible, uh, but then to light the path for them to make it easier for them. I love this. And this really is, you know, a manual of how to do this. And so thank you for having the courage to do the hard stuff and to simplify it for us to understand. Um, I just want to thank you for your time today and may you always and continuously be blessed because when you are blessed, you just share it with the world. So thank you. And we honor you for that. Thank you All the so best much. to you, John. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Stand Alone. If you like what you hear, I'd love if you leave a five-star review. To keep the conversation going, you can find me at I am Sabrina Lloyd or at Lloyd Agencies on Facebook and Instagram.